minute ago. If do any of you remember what we talked about last sun, last time I was here, the last Sunday night that I was here? Holiness. And I remember saying that something to the effect that that is really the reason for the existence of the Church of the Nazarene. And um, I also, we talked about what the meaning, the definition of holiness is and what we understand that to be. And I know we, I mentioned some of the definitions of being the absence of sin. Um, you know, the Christ-likeness, a relationship with Jesus, even the expression of love or love being holiness. And um, Hebrews tells us that, you know, without holiness, we will not see the Lord. And tonight, I kind of like to have us think about why, why would holiness be such a significant thing for us as Christians? Why would it be so necessary? Well, I'm sure that's part of it. I I can't help but think that uh, that part of the reason, maybe the main reason, is because God is holy. I I had a, have looked up a whole bunch of scriptures that share with us how, you know, God. Himself, the Father, the Almighty, is holy. In fact, the very first verse of the Bible says that in the beginning God created the heaven, or the heavens and the earth. Yeah, and uh, you know that word. I, I I have a commentary that that Bill has. I think right now, Bill Nymagene. Uh, by by Henry Morris, the Genesis record. And he says in, in comment to this verse, the very first verse of the Bible, this occurrence of the divine name in the Hebrew, Elohim, the name of God which stresses his majesty and his omnipotence. This is the name used throughout the first chapter of Genesis. And the im on the end of that, Elohim, that ending is in Hebrew plural, so that Elohim can actually mean gods. In fact, it's actually translated that way in Psalm chapter 96 and verse 5. If you look, look in that verse, you'll see that it talks about gods, and it comes from the, the word Elohim. But it's clearly used here in the singular as the mighty name of God the Creator, the first of over 2,000 times when it's used in this way. So Elohim is a plural name with a singular meaning, and a uniplural noun, thereby suggesting the uniplurality of the Godhead. God is one, yet more than one. I've heard it said, and I probably shared it with you folks, that you know to try to comprehend the Trinity would cause a person to lose their mind, because it's just, I don't know how you get around it, how you get a grasp of it. But not to accept it can cause us to lose our soul. And the reason is because of not accepting the fact, the reality that Jesus is God, that the Holy Spirit is God, that God is God. You know, if it can cause us to be, be, begin to get kind of off-center and not be totally truthful to the Scripture. So, you know, then there... 
in 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 the concept of this trinitarian god you know before the angels of the world was ever created god existed in this form father son holy spirit it was in that time long before the world ever existed you know if we know and realize that god is eternal he's always been he's never there's never been a beginning so he's always been God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Spirit. He's existed in this form forever. So what is what is this three beings in one? How how do they in in my thinking, I, I can't help but think they've got to be relating to one another. They've got to be interacting with one another. You know, I I can't help but think they've got to be just because of their nature. Just because God is love, they've got to be loving one another. It's just that interaction of love has got to be just going on in all of the dimensions, all of the interactions, all everything, all the the comprehensions, all any you know, when God imagined the world, everything. It's gotta be just encompassed in this aura of love, of who God is. It's his very nature. And this nature being expressed to each other. So this being, this being so, holiness existed then before the world existed. Am I right about that? Holiness is who God is. You know, we can think of it as being love, and yes, God is love, and holiness existed, exists in the love. It's in relationship, yes, it is. And, and relationships, God's been in relationship long before the world ever existed. So holiness is in relationship. You know, it's in the absence of sin. But we didn't, didn't I mean, it's not, it does not exist because of sin coming into the world. Holiness existed before sin. Before Adam and Eve was ever tempted by the serpent, holiness existed. God existed because he is holy. The Bible declares God to be holy. And we, uh, you know, I, I might just have us look up a few verses here tonight just to in, in kind of support what I'm sharing here. But in Leviticus, and if somebody would want to look up verse 11, chapter 11, verses 44 through 45, and read those verses for us. All right, so God tells tells us right there in the book of Leviticus that he is holy. And there's a, so many different places in the Old Testament, especially in the book of Leviticus. And I, I don't know if you realize it or not, but the, the book of Leviticus really is a book about holiness. It's the Old Testament book of holiness. I have here at least four different chapter, uh, verses, places where... The Lord said, I am holy. I am holy. If we go to Joshua, um, we find Joshua even expressing that he is a holy God. First Samuel tells us that there is no, no one holy like the Lord. There is no one beside God. There is no rock like our God. There is no one holy like the Lord. And Job even even says, and I, you know, in his interaction with his friends there that I would still have this consolation my joy and unrelenting pain that I had not denied the works words of the Holy One 
Job acknowledges, recognizes God is holy. And numerous times in the book of Isaiah, God is identified as the Holy One of Israel. Just many, many verses. Jeremiah, the same. He, he calls him the Holy One of Israel. We could look at Hosea, we could look at Habakkuk. Even Jesus, in John chapter 17 and verse 11, says this about God. He says, O Lord, are you not from everlasting, my God, my Holy One? We will, we will not die. My God, my Holy One, we will not die. O Lord, you have appointed me to execute judgment. O Rock, you have ordained... Oop, I'm reading Habakkuk. Let me get to John. That's part of Part of being old, I guess. I will remain in the world no longer, Jesus said, but they are still in the world, and I am coming to you. Holy Father, protect them by the power of your name. And John, even in the book of Revelations, there at the end of the Bible, in the, the song of, of Moses that's recorded there, it says, Great and marvelous are your deeds, Lord God Almighty. Just and true are your ways, King of the ages. Who will not fear you, O Lord, and bring glory to your name? For you alone are holy. So there's many references in the Bible about God being holy. And then even Jesus, the psalm, psalm writer, there in chapter 16, verse 10, in really speaking about Jesus, talks about the time, he says, because you will not abandon me to the grave, nor will you let your Holy One see decay. He's talking about Jesus, the prophecy concerning Jesus. Daniel also talks about Jesus. He says, in, re in reference to him, there in Daniel, uh, Daniel 9, verses, verse 24, it says, Seventy-sevens are decreed for your people and your holy city to finish transgression, put an end to sin, to atone for wickedness, to bring in everlasting righteousness, to seal up vision and prophecy, and to anoint the ho most holy. To anoint the most holy. And this is a prophecy concerning Jesus. And the demons, uh, when we get to the New, New Testament, we know the demons knew who Jesus was. They're in Mark they uh, responded to Jesus saying, What do you want with us, Jesus of Nazareth? Have you come to destroy us? I know who you are, the Holy One of God. And the angels also knew. For there in Luke chapter 1, verse 35, it says, The angel answered, The Holy Spirit will come upon you, and the power of the Most High will overshadow you. So the Holy One to be born will be called the Son of God. And Peter quoted David as prophesying about Jesus in the New Testament, Him being the Holy One. And we look in the book of Acts, there Peter, in his very first message he preached to the church, spoke about Jesus being the Holy and the Righteous One, and, and even told them how they had asked that He be murdered. There in Acts chapter 4, 27 through 30, we find that the disciples considered Jesus as God's holy servant in their in their prayers, they prayed to him. They, they prayed, stretch out your hands to heal and perform miraculous signs and wonders through the name of your holy servant, Jesus. So Jesus is considered, and the Bible says he is holy. And there's references, all we have to do is just think about the title, the name for Holy Spirit, and we know he is holy. And there's many places in, we can look at in the New Testament, and even there in the, in the Old Testament, that gives reference to the Holy Spirit.
So here we have Father, Son, Spirit, three, the Trinity, all of them being holy. And um, many times in the book of Acts, we find reference to the Holy Spirit or the Holy Ghost. And there's many different examples of that. So we, we see the Trinity, even in Jesus' life. You know, there when he was, at the time when he was baptized, there was a father speaking, this is my beloved son in whom I'm well pleased. I, I really enjoyed getting Greg and Marla's Christmas card this year. Greg, Greg in, enlarged upon this. What a wonderful thing it must have been for Jesus to hear his father to say, this is my beloved son in whom I am well pleased. But then also there was the Holy Spirit that came and settled upon him like a dove. The Trinity, God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Spirit. And even in Revelation, you know that I, I couldn't help but think when I was thinking about this that there's at least twice in the Bible where the angels or seraphim are crying out, Holy, holy, holy is the Lord God Almighty. Why three times? Holy, holy, holy. Father, Son, Holy Spirit, holy. Well, I find a relationship with God, the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, more compelling than any concept of holiness, any idea you know, any experience even. Really, you know, to think and realize that this re this relationship that God has prepared and created for us through this acceptance and through faith and trust in God's Word, what He's promised us. You know, He, he said, you know, He talks about it be, uh, us being children of God. There in the very first chapter of John, he says, but as many as received him to them become, we, we have the privilege of becoming the son or the children of God. So God, through, through Jesus and what he's done for us, has made it possible for us to enter into a sonship, a relationship with God. There's a number of scriptures that I find that really... The only way, I mean, at least for me, to, to understand them fully, they need to be understood within the context of a relationship. In Deuteronomy chapter 7, verses 6 and 9, God says, For you are a people holy to the Lord your God. The Lord your God has chosen you out of all the peoples on the face of the earth to be his people, his treasured possessions. What is that but a, a relationship? Does he just want us to be something, some object to him, some something inanimate, you know, that 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 he can't. I mean, he can he can mold us around, he can move us around if we were like that. But that's not the kind of that's not what God had in mind when He created us, even, and when He especially when He sent His Son Jesus to make it possible for us to be restored to this re broken relationship with Him. In, in um, Deuteronomy 14, 1 and 2, it says, You are the children of the Lord your God. Do not cut yourselves or shave the front of your heads for the dead, for you are a people holy to the Lord your God. Out of all this people on the face of the earth, the Lord has chosen you to be his treasured possession. 
Isaiah chapter 62 says, The Lord has made proclamation to the ends of the earth. Say to the daughter of Zion, See your Savior come. See his reward is with him and his recompense accompanies him. They will be called the holy people, the redeemed of the Lord. And you will be called sought after, the city no longer deserted. And when we come into the New Testament, especially the book of Ephesians, just listen to these. I'm, I'm just going through some of the chapters, but listen to what, what Paul wrote to the Ephesians. There in chapter 1, 4 through 8. For he chose us in him before the creation of the world to be holy and blameless in his sight. In love he predestined us to be adopted as his sons through Jesus Christ in accordance with his pleasure and will to the praise of his glorious grace, which he has freely given us in the one he loves. In him we have redemption through his blood, the forgiveness of sins, in accordance with the riches of God's grace that he lavished on us with all wisdom and understanding. Chapter 2, 21 and 22. In him the whole building is joined together and rises to become a holy temple in the Lord. And in him you too are being built together to become a dwelling in which God lives by his Spirit. Ephesians 3, 4 through 6. In reading this, then, you will be able to understand my insight into the mystery of Christ, which was not made known to men in other generations, as it has now been revealed by the Spirit to God's holy apostles and prophets. This mystery is that through the gospel the Gentiles are heirs together with Israel, members together of one body, sharers together in the promise of Jesus Christ. Chapter 4, 30 through 32. And do not grieve the Holy Spirit. What? How can, a per, how can an idea, a concept, or something that's, animate, that's an object, how could that ever grieve God? Grieve the Holy Spirit. And do not grieve the Holy Spirit of God with whom you were sealed for the day of redemption. Get rid of all bitterness, rage, and anger, brawling and slander, along with every form of malice. Be kind and compassionate to one another, forgiving each other, just as in Christ God forgave you. And, and the, uh, kind of correlating to this is Hebrews chapter 12, verses 14 and 15, where it says, Make every effort to live in peace with all men and be holy. Without holiness, no one will see the Lord. And then it says, See to it that no one misses the grace of God and that no bitter root grows up to cause trouble and defile many. Those are attitudes. Those are, those are definite um, relational things that's happening that he's talking about there. Ephesians 5, 25 through 27, getting, going along in this, what Paul wrote to the Ephesians. Husbands, love your wives just as Christ loved the church. He gave himself up for her to make her holy cleansing her by the washing with water through the word, and to present her to himself as a radiant church without stain or wrinkle or any other blemish, but holy and blameless. And he goes on to say there, he's not talking about, the, you know, the, the, mar the marriage really is talking about the church. In Colossians, Paul wrote to the, to the Christians in Colossae, therefore as God's chosen people, Holy and dearly loved, clothe yourselves with compassion and kindness and humility and gentleness and patience. Bear with each other. Forgive whatever grievances you may have against one another. Forgive as the Lord forgave you. And over all these virtues put on love, which binds them all together in perfect unity. Let the peace of Christ rule in your heart, since as members of one body you are called to peace. And be thankful.
And First Peter chapter 2 there, 9 through 10 says, But you are a chosen people, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, a people belonging to God, that you may declare the praises of him who called you out of darkness into his wonderful light. Once you were not a people, once you were not in relationship with God, but now you are the people of God. Once you had not received mercy, but now you received mercy. And even there in the book of Revelation, almost at the end, chapter 21, verses 2 and 3, it says, I saw the holy city, the new Jerusalem, coming down out of heaven from God, prepared as a bride, beautifully dressed for her husband. And I heard a loud voice from the throne saying, Now the dwelling of God is with men, and he will live with them. They will be his people, and God himself will be with them and be their God. What, what do you think some application or what do you think would be some of the things that we would experience or would be available to us or how we would live or those kind of things when we think about and realize that this relationship we have with God is a holy relationship. It's holiness. It's just like God is love. If we're going to be in relationship with God, you know, what, what I really think happens, and, and the reality is that no one can be in, within, with, within contact of God and not become holy. If you're, really gonna, if you're really in contact with Him, and you stay in contact with Him, you can't help but become holy. So, how, would, how does that affect... And, and you know, tell me, maybe, maybe, uh, maybe I'm not really quite on with this. And if I'm not, I want you folks to kind of set me straight here, just like I gave you opportunity to last time. Tell me what you think. Well, and you know, I think it also we it broadens it to where it's not just about us and God. It's really about us and God's family. And because God was interacting with Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, you know, it's like we, God's calling us, He's drawing us, He's enabling us to be a part of all that interaction that's been going on for eternity. And I think, you know, when He, when he tells us there we're not to be bitter to one another, we're to forgive one another, you know, all these things, you know, He's basically saying these are not appropriate for people who are in interaction with the Holy God. Anyway, if something comes to your mind, I want you to share it here. You know, as I thought about some of the applications, for me, it means I I live in a conscious awareness of Him. Or at least I endeavor to do so. You know, and I I believe I've come to where I. I'm at a point where even if I'm not aware or conscious of him, it's not like I'm away from him. You know, if he's not interacting with me right now or for whatever reason he's chosen, it doesn't mean that I'm not a part of his family. Well, then those are, those are things that's ongoing. It's not something we can say, well, I've attained that. It's something that's it's, it's a, just a part of existence. And, you know, I think there are, I, I think 
the old enemy would like to get us to think when those times when the Holy Spirit seems to be silent for whatever reason, there's got to be something wrong with me. There's got to be something wrong. Even if we can't really think, and that's another part of, I think, the application. Now, just a minute, Shane. Another part of the application for me is that I allow the Holy Spirit to examine me all the time. I'm, I'm saying to him, I give you permission to examine my motives. I give you permission to examine my thoughts. In fact, I, you know, I think it's in Corinthians that it says we're to bring every cap, every thought captive to Him. You know, we we give Him permission to examine our lives, examine our our thinking. Gene. Oh, oh. Well, I do think that there's there's a tendency for us. I don't know about all of us, but there's a tendency for some of us not to have as strong a of self-confidence as we might possibly have, and so we tend to put ourselves down and find fault and so on, we, and um, tell ourselves all these things, you know, the self-talk that we we tend. But I think the Lord wants to examine those things that we're telling ourselves. If we let Him, we need to let Him speak truth into us about this part, about who we are. You know, in in a love. With him being love and the con the context of, of whole or the the concept of holiness being a loving relationship, it's it's got to be magnet magnified to a greater extent than we can even imagine in any relationship in this life. And yet I know that you know as parents we are very you know if we're loving parents we're going to be very gracious to our children if they stumble and fall and. How many times I've you know I've got a little granddaughter now that's about 16 months old and hasn't learned to walk yet, but you know, does that mean that we there's there's something wrong with the relationship that she has with her parents? You know, is there? No, you know, if we're loving parents, we've got to extend grace and love and mercy and all of the, all the things that God all those attributes that God tells us that He is, not only to you know young Christians but to one another. Anything else? Yes, Dan. Well, I think it's a little of both. I think I don't think we can be. I don't think we can enter into a relationship with him without without be at least experiencing the change that he brings, the, whole, the holiness that he brings to us. And yet, I think in the seeking of it, I would say it's not seeking holiness, but it really ought to be seeking him. If we seek Him, He will. The holiness will just be a, a kind of a natural part of this relationship. Well, and you know that's uh, that, that's why I've, now some of the other things I have here in my interaction with Him, we I think to seek Him would be to seek to know His mind and His will, so that we can, you know, make changes in us. Why would we allow him to examine us if we're not willing, if we don't have a heart, a desire, even to change? But you know, in in this in this experience of who God is, and I think it's getting to know Him that really enhances our our understanding of holiness. Getting to really comprehend who He really is. He's not just a judgmental God that's looking for a way to strike us and judge us and condemn us. 
You know, one of one of my favorite verses is John chapter chapter three verse seventeen, where it says, "Well, I'll have to quote sixteen probably before I can get to seventeen, but it says, "For God so loved the world that He gave His only begotten Son, that whosoever believes in Him should not perish, but have everlasting life." For God sent not His Son into the world to condemn the world, but the world through Him. What's the rest of it? Might be saved. You know, and I I, I think. For me, for many years, and I, I probably even will go home and I'll be struggling with it tomorrow, but the tendency has been to think, you know, God, I'm not good enough. God will not accept me. There's something, you know, that I, I won't make the, make the mark for some reason. Uh, you know, he, he, the tendency is to, for me to kind of believe that I am not deserving of his love or whatever. Well, I think that's... That's true, but I, I really think that it takes a heart condition before the mind is going to be even able to feed the heart. What I mean by that, yeah, no man comes to the Father except the Holy Spirit draws him. Yeah. And, um, but when, when, the, when we respond to the Holy Spirit, I believe that's why Jesus said we must be born again, born of the Spirit, because there's a transformation that takes place at the time when we first come to accept Him in our life, open our heart to Him. There's a change. If that heart is condition isn't changed, if we're still set on me and self and the world, basically, you know, we're not going to be open and receptive to the mind. His His Spirit actually changing our mind. I like that, just a minute, Anthony, I like that Romans chapter 12, 1 and 2, and you folks know we worked on that in some of the classes, but it says, you know, I beseech you therefore, brethren, by the mercies of God, that you present your bodies a living sacrifice, holy and acceptable one to God, which is your reasonable service. And be not conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. So, you know, it, that the mind is, is definitely got to be changed, whether it's, I just think the heart condition's got to be changed, or the mind's not going to be open to the change that God would want. But I, but I think that the, once that happens, the mind, the Holy Spirit, where is the battleground? Where is where is this spiritual life lived? It's within the context or concept of the mind. Yeah, N- nourished by the the heart. Bringing all of our thoughts to him. I've talked about that already. Inviting him to correct me. Oh, Anthony. Go ahead. 